From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. Texas lawmakers will gather in Austin this week for the third special session of the year. And though there are other items on Governor Greg Abbott's agenda, the focus will be redistricting. And the Texas-Mexico border is back in the news. Video this week showed thousands of migrants, many from Haiti, gathering in Del Rio. This week, Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers will be joined by State Senator Royce West, a Democrat from Dallas, State Representative Matt Krause, a Republican from Fort Worth, and the Dallas Morning News Washington Bureau Chief Todd Gilman. Before we get started, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the Lone Star Politics Podcast. It helps us grow the show and helps others find it. The redistricting process happens every 10 years after the U.S. Census Bureau releases new data showing where the population has grown in the United States. The data was delayed last year due to the pandemic, so state legislatures nationwide had to wait to draw new maps for state House and Senate seats plus congressional districts. Texas will get two more seats in the U.S. House of Representatives after its population grew by nearly 4 million people over the last 10 years. This third special session comes after House Democrats fled to Washington and denied the chamber a quorum in the first one, and Republicans passed controversial bills on elections and abortion in the second one. In addition to redistricting, items on Abbott's agenda for the special session include appropriating funds from the American Rescue Plan Act, legislation regarding vaccine mandates, and a bill that would require public school athletes in Texas to compete in sports that align with the sex designated on their birth certificates rather than with their gender identity. Royce West is a Dallas Democrat representing the state's 23rd Senate District. Matt Krause is a Fort Worth Republican representing the state's 93rd House District. He also announced a run for Texas Attorney General on Thursday. Here they are in a joint interview with Julian Gromer. Joining us this morning, State Senator Royce West of Dallas and State Representative Matt Krause of Fort Worth. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Good morning. There was so much tension in the second special session. Many House Democrats left in disagreements over bills regarding voting and abortion. Representative Krause, can both parties put this aside and work together? Well, it's nice that we finally get to come back to something non-contentious like redistricting. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, we've got a job to do and we're going to do it. There, there will be some friction. There will be some tension as redistricting always is. And it's not just party versus party, but it's even Republicans with Republicans and Democrats with Democrats, depending on where the population has shifted and moved and how that affects districts. So you're right. We'll, we'll have to be professionals about it. We'll have to figure out a way to make progress, but I think we will, and I think we'll be able to get the business of Texas done and do it during the time that we have allotted. Senator West, you've been through this several times before. Your answer? My answer is this. I think that just as we tried to do with SB1, we asked for a a disparate impact analysis. And what that was is basically the provisions that were put in the bill of the Republican Party were basically saying that there were no suppressive uh, provisions in that particular bill. You do a disparate impact analysis, which is a credible scientific methodology, you can tell us whether there's a disparate impact. And the same thing, but it should apply to redistricting. Uh, there will be calls that uh, Republicans are, are running over African uh, ethnic minorities. That, you know, that's a part of it. If we had a agreed-upon methodology that both parties would agree upon, we could kind of do away with some of the tension that matters. Just talk about it, rightfully so. But I don't. I'm hoping that we can have a better redistricting session. This is my third one than the ones that we've had before, and have left us in the courts fighting for the entire decade. Senator, this process it didn't go smoothly in 2011. You kind of touched on that. The courts threw out the maps that were drawn. 
How do you make sure it goes more smoothly this time? We'll start with you, Senator. You're on the redistricting committee. Well, you know, I think that there needs to be check and balances even within the legislature. Uh, we should, again, uh, look at you doing a disparate impact analysis, okay, uh, an agreed-upon scientific methodology to see whether or not there has been, I guess you could say, um, unwarranted uh, attacks, if you will, and I, I should say attacks, unwarranted drawing of maps that uh, impinge upon the rights of ethnic minorities and others to be able to be able to sit at the seat of power in order to uh, participate in the decision-making process. A disparate impact analysis should be agreed upon by both parties and should be utilized in order to stop all of the litigation that I have historically ensued. Representative Krauss, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not on the redistricting committee this session, but I was last session. and We actually did about 13, 14, 15 hearings all around the state to get that input from the citizens of Texas because that was so important. And what Chairman Phil King and I'm sure Chairman Todd Hunter in the House, now the head of redistricting, always uh, said we, we're going to draw fair maps. We're going to look at the data. We're going to uh, draw legal maps, fair and legal maps. That is our goal. And I expect that's what the Texas House will do over the course of the session that starts tomorrow and goes through the, uh, the entirety of the third special session. Now, I know. And Julie, just go ahead. Go ahead, let, uh, Senator. Let, let me say this. And I've gone around the states in, in prior legislative sessions, redistricting sessions to get input also. But historically, what ends up happening? The people who come out and testify will ask for one thing, and the legislative body does exactly what's uh, you know different from what the people have asked for. And what's fair is an eye of the beholder. That's the very reason I'm recommending that we try to get a disparate impact analysis before implementation of SB1 and also any type of redistricting map. Now, I know both of your phones are ringing off the hook from congressmen, because one of the things you have to do is not just draw your boundaries, but the congressional boundaries as well. But let me ask you this. Is there an opportunity for North Texas to get one of the new congressional districts? Do you think it'll happen? Let's start with you, Senator West. Absolutely. I think both of the legislative districts should go to Democrats, okay, or at least be drawn in districts that reflect the uh, increase in population growth. You know, when you begin to think, I think it's about 4 million people, uh, most of those end up being ethnic minority. Sure, we should have representation, at least one new congressional seat here in this area, and it should be Latino. Representative Krauss. Yeah, I, I think we will have one of those new uh, congressional districts out of the two. I think they will be, one of those will be up here in DFW, and I think it should. We've had so much growth, exponential growth all over the Metroplex, that I think that's where one of those new districts needs to be. And so, yes, I think we will see one of those and look forward to being a part of the process that adds those two new districts into the Texas map. Representative Krause, what about the House? What changes do you anticipate for House districts? You know, we've seen the, the population growth and anything kind of west of I-35, that corridor, the population is shrunk. And that's a lot of your rural uh, Texas areas. And so there's going to have to be some changes made there. But we've also seen some of the urban areas that have lost some population as well as more and more folks move out to the suburbs. And so I think you will see some restructuring. You'll see some pairing, which is when uh, a district is not no longer able to sustain itself with the population. And so you have to put another district with it. That creates tension because that's now two members who are vying for the same spot. And depending on how that map is drawn, that can uh, create some uh, 
friction and tension. And so um, I, I expect we'll see some of the, the pairing maybe in the rural parts and maybe some urban parts. And in the suburban areas is where you're going to see some of the growth, just like House District 93 that I represent. We have the most growth out of anyone in Tarrant County. So we'll see a, uh, that'll be a reflection when we draw the new maps here for the, uh, our county specifically. And Senator West, for the Senate, how do you envision it all playing out? Oh, I think what Matt said is exactly the same thing for the Senate. Uh, you'll, you'll see, as, as an example, I, I don't know Jane Nelson's uh, district number, but she had in North Central Texas uh, the most uh, increase in the population. And, you know, obviously it's a Republican district. That has to be spread out because I think our districts are like about 940,000. So the question is, is how do you even that population out against districts that have lost populations? And so as an example, you'll see Jane Nelson's district go from where she is now, out in Flower Mine, all the way into the mid-cities where uh, Nathan Johnson's district has been. So she'll begin, she'll be representing, no, that district will be representing University Park, Highland Park, all the way into the city of Dallas. And you'll see Nathan's district change, you'll see some change in mine. And then when you go out to the rural areas, uh, again, uh, Brian Hughes' district, uh, Nichols's district, all rural senatorial districts, they need additional population. And so the question is, is how far will they come into the Metroplex to get that population growth? And obviously they don't want Democrats in their district, they want Republicans. Now in 30 seconds, and I know that's hard to do, you have to spend $16 billion in federal money for recovery. How do you think that should be spent? Let's start with you, Senator West. I think that uh, it, to, to the extent that we can have some property tax reduction, and, and the monies can be spent for that. And I think we've got to get some property tax reductions. Yes, I'm talking about property tax reduction because that's what constituents say. I also want to see some of that money spent on human infrastructure. What do I mean by that? We've been talking about food deserts over and over again. I think that we should spend some of the money on that as well as our institutions of higher education. Okay. Representative Krause. I, I agree with my uh, colleague in the Senate. Property tax relief, property tax relief, property tax relief. And we, uh, we've we heard that over and over, as Senator West said, from our constituents. It's probably one of the one or two biggest issues I hear about repeatedly. So with this money, I think we need to give that back to the taxpayers who gave that to us in the first place, put it towards property tax reduction and property tax relief, and make sure they can afford to stay in their own homes. Uh, Representative Krause, uh, and, and quickly, you tossed your hat into the ring for Attorney General. Uh, against incumbent Ken Paxson. There, there's also two Democrats in the race, uh, Lee Merritt and Joe Jaworski. Why get into the race? What makes you the better choice in Paxson? Well, 2022 will be a pivotal year up and down the ballot, and we're going to have some uh, very important topics such as redistricting that we've just been talking about, the election integrity bill and other things. And so we want to make sure we have an attorney general who's a faithful uh, conservative fighter. And I think that is me. That's what our campaign is about. That's I have a proven record in the House of being that faithful conservative fighter. We want to take that to the AG's office and continue that work there. I think we're best suited to do it for the next four years. And I would be honored to have everyone who's listening today to have their support in that effort for Texas Attorney General. We want to thank you both for being here today. I know you've got a busy uh, week, a busy four weeks, I should say, coming up starting tomorrow. So thanks for being here to talk with us about these important issues. My pleasure. Thank you. The third special session starts on Monday. We turn to Washington now where the Biden administration and Governor Abbott got into a back and forth this week about the border. 
Video showed thousands of migrants, many from Haiti, gathered under an international bridge in Del Rio, where they were seeking refuge in the U.S. NBC News reported Friday the number of migrants was more than 10,000, with 1,000 more expected. Also happening in the nation's capital, the Justice Department challenges Texas's abortion law, and the Biden administration is doing what it can to try to slow the spread of COVID-19. Todd Gilman is the Washington bureau chief for the Dallas Morning News. Here he is with Julian Gromer. Joining us this morning, Dallas Morning News, Washington Bureau Chief Todd Gilman. Let's start with the border crisis. Governor Abbott yesterday comparing the Biden administration's handling of immigration at the southern Texas border to the evacuation from Afghanistan. So what happens from here, Todd? Well, we continue to see uh, Abbott and other Texas Republicans bash Biden uh, and really Republicans all around the country to bash Biden for a border crisis that for a little while at the beginning of the Biden administration looked like maybe they were crying wolf or projecting or uh, exaggerating, but really th this looks pretty bad. Uh, it, it is uh, not a, a good development to have almost 10,000 people under a bridge in Del Rio, just that one spot along the border. Now, Abbott threatened to use Texas resources to close ports of entry. Of course, ports of entry are within the full purview of the federal government, so that was a bit of an overstep, and Abbott had to back away from that. Uh, but this is, uh, this is a terrific political issue for Republicans, and as far as a public policy uh, crisis, it, it is a major, major headache for Biden. Todd, uh, just released today uh, is a Dallas Morning News UT Tyler poll on what voters are saying about the direction of the state and also Governor Abbott's approval rating. What can you tell us about that? Well, one of the interesting things is that uh, 50, as you see, 54 percent of Texans think that the state is going in the wrong direction. Now, obviously, that's more heavily weighted among Democrats than Republicans, but that does not bode well for an incumbent. Uh, he's chase, facing a challenge from the right, two challenges from the right in the primary, and he'll face some kind of challenge from Democrats. Uh, it's not a good starting point in a reelection campaign. Uh, behind that number, it's kind of hard to know what it is. You know, we've had a COVID crisis just like every other state. Um, we've had a lot of back and forth about uh, mask mandates. Uh, you know, the economy has struggled in Texas in certain ways for some people uh, during the COVID pandemic. So it's hard to say exactly what is is pulling down Abbott in that number, but uh, he's he has some work to do if he wants to be reelected next year. Well, let's turn now to the Justice Department versus the state of Texas. This is not something you see frequently. So where does it go from here? So uh, we're talking about the abortion law and the fetal heartbeat law, which uh, Texas has enacted very novel legal approach to outsource all of the enforcement uh, away from the state so that it's impossible to sue the state directly to, uh, to overturn. And instead it deputizes anyone anywhere to file a lawsuit against anyone with even the most remote uh, uh, relationship to an abortion. It could be a woman who uh, who goes to, well, not the woman herself, but it could be whoever drives the woman. It could be someone she confided in who didn't talk her out of it. It could be clinic workers. Uh, and this idea of deputizing citizens to do things that a state itself is forbidden from doing under uh, constitutional authority of the Supreme Court rulings, Roe v. Wade and other rulings that protect the right to abortion, 
uh, is a novel legal approach that will definitely make it to the Supreme Court because you can imagine the Pandora's box that it opens in terms of gun rights and speeding tickets and, you know, staying uh, after school because of detention. I mean, really anything, if anybody could go to court to enforce any kind of government policy, um, where does that end? So uh, this is a very aggressive anti-abortion statute. Uh, fetal heartbeat can be detected as early as six weeks into pregnancy, which really uh, pregnancy is dated to um, the last menstrual cycle. And that's only two weeks after a, a woman might have missed her period. So, uh, it, the Supreme Court has never upheld such early restrictions, and it is definitely going to continue through uh, through all layers of courts. In the short time we have left, speaking about court battles, will President Biden see one over his new COVID relief plan? Uh, particularly For sure. So uh, the, the, the vaccine mandate right. I think you're talking about that uh, says that big employers, yes. employers, 100 people or more have to uh, have their people vaccinated or their workers have to submit to a weekly COVID test and show that they're negative to show up there. You know, it's a, it's a really interesting legal issue. It does seem to have uh, authority under OSHA, under workplace safety. Uh, laws. The, the president seems to have this authority. There's a political dimension that big business and maybe little business uh, likes the political cover. A lot of them have workforces where people don't want to show up at work if they think the person in the next cubicle uh, is, is unsafe to them and their children and their grandparents. And so uh, a lot of workplaces, a lot of workers and employers want this vaccine mandate. Um, Republicans like Abbott and Cruz are saying he's meddling with private sector businesses, but at the same time, Abbott has issued orders forbidding private businesses from mandating vaccines or tests for their people, and Cruz has filed legislation to forbid private businesses. So they want to have it both ways that effectively there'd be no mandates on anyone from anyone. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a problem. I mean, a lot of workers feel unsafe going back to their workplace if they're not assured that everyone around them is vaccinated. And, uh, you know, it will be litigated. 24 state attorneys general, including Texas, uh, have threatened to sue the federal government to try to block this. Todd Gilman, as always, thanks so much for joining us. Let's get back to the state capitol real quick before we go. Redistricting can be a complicated process. So Julian Gromer, help us understand what will be going on in Austin this month. Gromer, you're heading solo to Austin tomorrow. So, of course, you will keep me up to date on everything going on. Yeah, but do you really want me to? Do you really want to know about <laughs> redistricting? I'm just joking. Of course you do. I, I, but it's such a, you know, for most voters, for most people, it's such a, a dull issue. They don't really understand it understand it. So the challenge, Julie, is always sort of how to educate voters and make it more relevant. And know, make them understand, hey, yeah. your state senator might change or right. you could be getting a new congressman. But that's hard when you haven't seen the maps. And it really, I think, becomes more real when people can see, OK, this is how it's going to affect my house. But then you've got to go and look up how it's going to affect your house. So, yeah, it is. A, it, and I think it's the whole issue of redistricting. I mean, you remember 2003 when there was a walkout. Right. And then that was the most recent walkout before this walkout. Before, exactly. And, you know, and, and it's all about even with the walkouts, you know, it's it's hard to get people to understand what you are walking out for. So in 2003, it was a little clear they were Tom DeLay was trying to wipe out 
uh, most of the Democratic delegation in Congress, or at least a lot of them, that's when Republicans had just taken control of the Texas right. House. And so they felt like, you know, why is the majority of the congressional delegation still Democratic when Texas is a red state? And so you had that fight. But now, you know, the battle lines are always more local. And so you look at, like, this time around, Julie, it's going to be a big fight in the Senate, I believe, on Senate District 10, where Beverly Powell is in that Fort Worth, Tarrant County area. Wendy Davis had that seat. It's what a lot of the 2011 court battles were about. I expect that to boil over again because Demo uh, Republicans are going to try to expand their advantage in the state Senate. And we talked about it on the show, Julie, the, one of the new districts. How do they get that? You know, where do you put it? Is it a Republican district? Do you sort of make Mark Vesey's Democratic district a Hispanic opportunity district? That will end up in court if Republicans try to do it. And so those kinds of things are at issue. Colin Allred, Julie, you know. You and know, right, and that. You know, what do you do with that district if you're a Republican? Do you try to and he's been in right, and he's been in three years. Yeah, he's won twice. Now. Right. Do you acknowledge that that's uh, that's a Democratic a district, district now? Or, you, know, you know, or a, a district where a coalition of, of, of minority voters can elect someone, or do you try to make it more uh, Republican? And does that affect Van Taylor's district if you right, go to college? Well, and, there's, County, right? and there's major growth there. Right. Well, you know, I recently interviewed Representative Justin Holland, and we went through how his district was cut. I mean, he's like from Kaufman to Anna to Prosper to Frisco. Right. I mean, it's it's. he said it's almost in the shape of a question mark. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. But I do want to thank my friend Gromer because whenever he's in Austin and I'm not, I'll be watching. And it's, you know, it's, when you're there, you really have a better sense of stuff sometimes. And I will. But it's always better when we're there together. It's the best when we're there together. That's right. But like I called time. him recently and I was like, I need you to help me. And then so he called me. He's like, wait till I get off the floor because yeah, you can't know, talk right. on the floor. And he goes to the hall and he calls right. me and he keeps me posted. And so I am grateful for that. Oh, yeah. Always grateful to to have you, uh, you know, with me on these issues, and that's what makes it fun when you have a great partner. I mean, right? we have the best time, and you know, I, you know, if only he would go to dinner with me as much as I want. And on that note, and we got to get Janine though down. I know we got to get our producer, yeah, our producer, and we have this great that. director, Greg, and Chris does our podcast, and all of our people. We have really awesome folks, so we're pretty lucky. Yeah. All okay. Right, see we'll see you. everybody next week. See you next week. We do have a pretty great group here at NBC5 and Lone Star Politics. Thanks to State Senator Royce West, State Rep Matt Krause, and Todd Gilman for joining the show this week. Stay up to date with everything Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.